3: Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to our world of mystery and the macabre. The Romans called her Venus. The Greeks knew her as Aphrodite. To other ancient peoples, she was Ishtar, Isis, and Astarte. But whatever the name, she was always the same. The mysterious, passionate, voluptuous goddess of love and sometimes of death. Our mystery drama, The Venus de Ile, was especially adapted from the Prosper Merrimay classic for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Norman Rose. It is sponsored in part by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal, and by new sugar-free Diet 7-Up. I'll be back shortly with Act One.
4: When you feel like having a cold Budweiser, do you automatically reach for a glass? Well, sure, Bud's a great beer any way you drink it. But without a glass, you're really missing something. Now, take that wonderful Budweiser head of foam, for instance. Those bubbles, tiny though they are, still amount to something pretty special at the top of your glass. Taste appeal. And eye appeal. Two results of exclusive beechwood aging and natural carbonation. It takes a lot longer to brew Budweiser that way, but brewing beer right does make a difference that you can taste. That's why, when you say Budweiser, you've really said it all. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis.
5: for, that's
6: what Suburban Savings for, Suburban. Suburban Savings offers you an easy way to borrow without touching
4: a penny in your regular savings passbook account. Just let Suburban loan you the money. It's called Suburban Savings Passbook Loan. You can borrow up to 90% of the total amount you have on deposit at reasonable rates, and you can pay off your loan at your convenience. When your loan is repaid, you still have all of your savings intact plus interest. So if you need money, why not take a loan from Suburban without touching your savings? Suburban Savings Passbook Loan, in New Jersey, at Bayonne, Edgewater, Elmwood Park, Emerson, Hackettstown, Morris Plains, Nutley, Paramus, and Sparta.
7: Bless your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. And now, mesdames et messieurs, we play. Oh. And it is red rouge, thirteen, red.
4: There, you see, it's always rouge when I bet noire. Ah. But how can you change horses in midstream? No, I have faith. Fifty thousand francs on the black.
7: Uh, I'm sorry, monsieur le vicomte. About what? There can be no more credit. No credit? Call the manager. It was the manager himself who gave the order.
4: Oh, I see. I am sorry, monsieur. Uh, Save my place at the table. Come in. Ah, Claude. Have a chair, my boy. Monsieur Mond, is this how you treat an old friend? We'll have a glass of champagne. Fabulous flavor. What is the meaning of this? Have a cigar. Just arrived from Havana. Have a chair. Have a glass of champagne. Have a cigar. I'm waiting to hear you offer me what I came in for. And what's that? Credit. Credit. Let me talk to you like a father. I can see where this is leading. No credit. Had you not come to see me, I would have gone to see you. Why? You owe this establishment one million francs. And? And there are those who will demand payment. Those who will take drastic steps if payment is not forthcoming within the next few days. What are you talking about? My boy, we are now... How can I say this? Well, we are now organized. Organized? We are owned by a syndicate, and all debts must be collected. They will be collected by people who are known as Enforcers, I think. Will you extend me credit or not? Claude, please listen. The syndicate has been through my books. You are in danger. You expect me to be frightened by these hoodlums? Claude, give me some assurances that you can pay or else please disappear for a while. I, uh... I have a document that will not only encourage you to extend credit, but will also satisfy the vultures who seem to be running your establishment. The document? Mm -hmm. I have here a letter from Mademoiselle Eloise Calvert. The heiress? Yes, the heiress. The wealthiest young lady in France, in which she says, among other things, my darling Claude, if you refuse to marry me, I don't think I care to live any longer. She says that? Now, I would assume that this should serve as a gilt-edged letter of credit. A document even stronger than the Bank of France. May I see the letter? Ah, If you insist. Hmm. Fine. On the basis of this, your credit is unlimited. But make sure the engagement is announced within three or four days. Of course. And perhaps sooner. Good
2: morning, darling.
7: Good morning, Eloise. Oh, it's only you, are we? I'm sorry you're disappointed. Well, you're not bad.
2: And if there were no Claude Louis, you might even do. Henri, have
7: you seen him? He's probably still fast asleep. No, he promised to play tennis with me this morning. Well, no, then he'll be along... Uh, where did you get this amazing statue?
2: Oh, I don't know. Monsieur Delon, who bought all that art for my father, my dear departed father, advised me to pick it up.
7: It's fantastic. A bronze, eight-foot Venus. She should be worth more than the one at the Louvre. At least this, this one has arms. Why do you place her here, at the entrance to your tennis court? Why not? We always have a crowd here. Why should she be lonesome? Do you know that in Greek and Roman times, our very town of Ile had a temple sacred to Venus? Yes, right here. Oh, well, now, how and why should I know a thing like that? And this was the great statue of Venus that stood in the shrine of the temple. Really? The same one? Look at the air of mystery that surrounds the face. This is a woman of many moods and passions.
2: Here comes Claude Louis.
7: Good morning, Eloise.
2: Hello, darling.
7: And Cousin Henri. Have you examined this statue, Claude?
4: Great big girl, isn't she? She's uh, magnificent too.
7: The goddess of love. The fickle, jealous, unpredictable goddess of love. Well,
4: I came down to play tennis.
2: And I am ready for you. You're not really very good this morning.
4: Well, wait till I warm up.
2: Ah, just... I'm just toying with you. Too hard to hit the ball. What will you do in the game? Uh,
4: I'll tell you what it is, darling.
2: uh uh-huh. An excuse coming up. Make it good.
4: Uh, it's this ring. This ring I'm wearing.
2: That big, ostentatious vulgar now, ring. Now, now.
4: It belonged to my father.
2: Well, I never liked
4: it. Uh, stop. Uh, stop for a minute. I I want to take it off. I, I can't grip the racket properly. Ah. Uh. Now, now where can I put it? I don't have a pocket in these trousers.
2: So Why don't you just throw the ugly thing away? I'll buy you a new one.
4: Oh, now, darling, it has a very sentimental value. Oh, I, I know a good place for it. Excuse me a minute.
2: Where are you going?
4: I'll, uh, I'll just put it on Miss Venus's finger.
2: Oh, and I thought you came here to put a ring on my finger.
7: No, no, Claude, no. No what? Don't do that. It's, uh... It's what? I was about to say blasphemy, but that's not really the word.
4: Ari, what are you talking about?
7: But it just doesn't seem right. After all, she is the goddess of love, and you can't... Yes? You're offering her your ring, which means you're asking her to marry you.
4: Do you have any idea what you're saying, Henri?
7: Uh, That is, symbolically, of course. Eloise, is your cousin always like this? Well, he's um, a very deep person. Claude, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Don't put that ring on her finger. Why not?
4: Ah, There we are. It fits her perfectly. Looks good on her, too.
2: All right. Now let's see if that ring really was what cramped your style, Claude. (coughs)
4: Let's see you get that one.
2: Ah, oh, oh dear, nice, but you'll have to do it again. Watch out. You were better than last time, but still not good enough.
4: Well, if all I did was play tennis all day.
2: Why don't you? Uh oh, it's going to come down any minute. Let's run for the house. We shouldn't be out here in the lightning.
4: Hey, Henri, get my ring, will you?
2: And and meet us in the house, Henri. Come on, Claude.
4: Uh, wait a minute he's just standing Darling, there.
2: Darling, it's going to pour any second.
4: What's the matter with him? Ollie! Eloise, is he all right?
2: Well, let's go see. Ollie.
4: Ollie. Ollie, what are you staring at?
7: Here. Your, your ring, Claude. What about my ring? It won't come off her finger. What? Try it. Try it yourself. Just try to take it off. All right, I will.
2: Please, hurry. We'll be drenched. Ah,
7: see what I mean, Claude?
2: What does he mean, Claude? Uh,
7: this,
4: this ring, my ring. For some reason, I, I I can't seem to get it off her finger. What
2: on earth are you talking about? Just, just take it off. Well,
4: it, it seems to be stuck. Why? I don't know.
2: Wait, uh, why are we just standing around in the rain?
4: Why won't this ring come off? I can't even move it.
2: Well, you worry about it. I'm going into the house before I get soaked.
4: Are we? I mean, why can't I get this ring on? Why?
2: Dinner will be ready in a few minutes. The chef went out of his way for Claude. Oh, he... Why
7: doesn't he ask me to marry him? Who? The chef? No, idiot, Claude. <laughs> he will. After all, he's penniless... Oh, now, that's not worthy of you. I'm... I'm sorry. Where is Claude? He's out on the tennis court. Now? It seems he still can't get his ring off that goddess's finger. I don't believe it. You want to go see? In this rain? <laughs> oh, no, thank you.
2: Ah, oh, Claude... Oh, darling, look at you. You're dripping wet.
4: I'm sorry. I'll go right upstairs and change. What were you doing outside? Well, I I know it sounds silly, but I was trying to get my ring off her finger. And did you? No, no.
2: There could be a kind of secret spring, and it, it snapped, and it sort of curved her finger around it.
4: I don't know what to do about it. Is it all right if I just leave it there?
2: Oh, I never liked that ring. If the statue wants it that badly, let her have it. Did you enjoy dinner, darling?
4: Oh, it was delicious. Pierre outdid himself.
2: How would you know? You scarcely touched your food.
4: Eloise, if you must know, it's that
7: silly statue. Can't we forget her? Finally, I hope. Henri... How do you account for it? You wouldn't believe a word I say. Oh, well, say it. In the old days, she was the center of an adoring, worshiping populace, right here. Every day, she was presented with gifts. And then suddenly, it stopped. The old religion had died. And for nearly 2,000 years, she's been neglected. Suddenly, once again, she is given a gift... You can imagine that this one is more precious to her than anything in her history. And so, she refuses to give it up.
2: Claude, darling, of course, Henry is crazy, but he's only my cousin by marriage, so it doesn't run in the family. Well,
7: it's it's rather late. I think I'll turn in. Good night, all. Good night. Uh, Yes, good night. Of
2: course, you received my letter.
4: That's why I came.
2: I love you, Claude. I love you, too. But I want you to
4: ask me. Oh, yes. Yes, I will.
2: Well, I'm waiting.
4: Louise, I...
2: Claude, why are you so pale? Uh,
4: I, I, I don't know. Are you ill? I feel very strange. How? As if... As if... I hear music. Music? But there's no It's music. an unusual kind of music. I've never heard anything like it before.
5: Claude, Claude, you belong to me. You have given me your ring. You belong to me belong to me
3: forever. What did Claude do? Did he really awaken this sleeping goddess after so many centuries?
6: And now another story of the ball and chain as Kellogg's Special K presents Veronica and Jeff.
5: Oh, Jeffrey, isn't this romantic? Out in a quiet lake at night with you rowing the boat.
4: Yes, Veronica, it's really neat.
5: Jeffrey, what was that?
4: Uh, frogs. Frogs
5: that go bong? Uh, they're pretty weird frogs. Oh, Jeffrey, you're such a car. You have a ball and chain, like the ones they use in those Special K commercials.
4: Yes, Veronica, it symbolizes my few pounds of extra weight. But I'm going to get rid of it. How? Uh, by exercising. You know, like rowing this boat and eating smart at every meal, starting with a Special K breakfast. You mean a one-ounce bowl of high? Protein special K, four ounces of skim milk, orange juice, and coffee? Uh, Precisely. It's less than 240 calories, and it tastes delicious. It'll help me get rid of this ball and chain. I'll help, too, Jeff. After
5: all, we're all in the same boat. You have a ball and chain, too.
6: Your happy ending could begin with a special K breakfast from Kellogg's.
4: Hey, Mom, what's for dinner? Hey, Mom, what you got?
6: It's time to get ready for the great outdoors, and your ShopRite supermarket has everything you'll need for cookout dinners and fun in the sun. And for this week's dinners, ShopRite is featuring whole grade A frying chickens, just 37 cents a pound. Roasting chickens up to 4 pounds, 47 cents a pound. Choice beef rib steaks, $1.19 a pound. ShopRite franks, 89 cents a pound. Get all your outdoor cooking equipment and many great food values at your ShopRite supermarket.
5: Family. She wants the best. She does all that she can do. She lets ShopRite do the rest. Hey, ma,
6: what's for dinner? ShopRite has the answer. This is WOR New York, your mystery theater station.
2: wrong.
4: I, I have a feeling... I'm
2: going to call the doctor.
4: Oh, no. But you're ill. No, I'm not ill.
2: Darling, please get some rest. I'm sure you'll feel better in the morning.
4: Oh, yes, yes, I'm sure of it. I'll, I'll just sit here for a few minutes and smoke a pipe. All right.
5: Good night, Claude. Good night. My beloved Claude Louis, my beloved.
4: Who is that? Who's there?
5: Claude, you will come with me. You will live with the gods. You will live like a god. Leave this house. Leave this Foolish mortal woman And come with me No Claude I am the goddess of love I am also The goddess of death No, no, no
4: Let me alone darling. Good morning.
2: I had to appear to prepare an especially delicious breakfast, so I do hope you're
7: hungry. Ah, Louise. Monsieur Claude. What is it, René? Monsieur Claude, you asked me to see about the ring. What ring? Oh, that ring. Uh, were you able to? The ring just won't come off. It's like, um, fused to the metal. Oh, could that be
4: possible somehow no sir it is not possible unless you welded it under which you didn't well then what's to be done nothing unless you want to cut the finger off. oh no no oh,
2: i am so tired of all this chatter about that
4: silly ring oh thank you renee i appreciate what you've done uh, yes monsieur Claude. good day i tried my best <sighs> i'm sorry i bought that ridiculous statue she's
5: hardly ridiculous Now you're starting to talk like Henri. I'm sorry. I keep asking myself. Why did
2: I have to fall in love with you?
4: Because I'm charming and
2: handsome. No, the sensible thing would have been to fall in love with Henri.
4: (laughs) Darling, I'll go up and change and meet you at the tennis court. (laughs) Listen. Whoever you are, whatever you are, listen... Uh... I put that ring on your finger. The way, well, the way you place a hat on a rack or a coat on a hook. I wasn't thinking of, well, I certainly didn't mean anything by it. So, if this is all a practical joke, fine, the joke's on me. But, but if you really are a goddess and you're taking this seriously, what would you want with me, anyhow? You
5: are my beloved.
4: I'm trying to explain. I must marry Eloise Calvert. I have no choice.
5: I am your bride. I will share you with no mortal woman. I will
7: see you dead first. I didn't know you were in the habit of talking to yourself. Henri,
4: what are you doing here?
7: Eloise sent me. Her lawyer has just arrived from Paris. He has papers for her to sign. Oh. In anticipation of your coming marriage, she's having considerable property signed over to you. Oh. Something wrong with you this morning? Well, well, yes, it, it, it... Well, it's that damn statue. Claude, I shouldn't say this. Shouldn't say what? I have good advice for you. Even if it goes against my own interest. Please, forget about that statue. Forget? This whole affair about the ring and the mysterious fact that it won't come off is starting to frighten Eloise. Frighten? She doesn't like to be frightened. Well, who does? She's been fantastically rich all her life. She's always had everything she wanted by snapping her fingers. Except you. Well, she's got me. No, not quite yet. Instinctively, you know how to treat her. You don't fall at her feet the way the rest of us do. You maintain a kind of reserve. That's because you know all about women.
4: Uh, You flatter me.
7: Even now, you're playing her to perfection. True, it's a formality, but... she wants that ritual declaration of love, that beautifully stated proposal of marriage, and you delay it exquisitely. But I came
4: here to propose...
7: You've already proposed to one goddess. Stop that, will you? The goddess of love. And now you intend to propose to another. Eloise? A goddess? Of course. The goddess of wealth and power. How fortunate. Each of these goddesses wants you as her consort.
4: Oh, Henri, sometimes I wonder about your sanity.
7: (laughs) That's just another way of saying that you wonder about your own. Why won't the ring come off?
4: Well, there must be an explanation.
7: Yes, there is. You're the fiancé of Venus. She won't give you up. I mean a rational explanation. It makes sense to me. And it also makes sense to you. You don't have to admit it.
4: Well, I came here to propose to Eloise. Then why don't you do it? I will. I'll take her out to dinner tonight, and I'll ask her to
7: marry me. (laughs) A lovely place.
4: A bit off the beaten track, darling.
2: And the food.
4: (laughs) I wanted a perfect setting. For what? For the most important statement of my life. (laughs) Flatterer. Of course I'm a flatterer. And you love flattery.
2: Doesn't every woman? Oh, I can see we're going to be a very straightforward couple.
4: Yes. Eloise, I... Yes? I want to ask you to... I'm waiting. I... I...
5: You're mine, Claude. You gave me your ring. But...
4: But I told you...
5: Claude, you may play with other women. You may deceive other women. But no man in the history of the world has ever deceived me and lived. I am Venus. I am Aphrodite. I am Astarte. I am Isis. I am Ishtar.
7: But I only. Hundreds,
5: thousands, numberless races of men on this planet have worshipped me under numberless names. And now, I choose you. I choose you, Claude Louis. You belong to me. You are mine. You must leave this woman.
4: Claude. Uh, 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 I, I must Darling, be... Darling, something is wrong. No, I, I just feel very...
2: Very what? See, you can't say. You don't know. But I know. Do you? I spoke to Dr. Legrand... He told me all about men like you.
4: Men like me?
2: Yes. It has to do with the fear of becoming a husband.
4: But I have no fear of...
2: Yes, yes, you do. Oh, you do. Way down, deep down in the subconscious where you're unaware of it. You're giving up the old, wild freedom. And you are just not sure you want to... Oh, but I I am... Well, I intend to... to be patient... I love you.
4: Ah, good evening, Claude. Oh, well, good evening, Monsieur Armand. I was dining here with some associates, and uh, I thought I would come over to pay my respects. Oh, yes. Uh, Darling, may I present Monsieur Armand? I am honored, my monsieur.
2: Enchanté.
4: Well, Claude, I had expected... uh, Uh, Yes? Apropos of our last discussion, I had expected a settlement uh, or a statement. Yes, yes, I know. As a matter of fact, my associates were saying just now, why do you suppose we have not heard... To reassure your associates for me, monsieur, that that everything is in order. Of course. So happy to have made your acquaintance, mademoiselle.
2: Darling, what was he talking about?
4: Oh, business proposition.
2: Claude... Monsieur Armand, he's sitting at that table. Look, over to the right, you see?
4: Well, what about it?
2: Well, look at those two men at the table with him. He called them his business associates.
4: I suppose they are.
2: Well, then I cannot imagine what sort of business he could be engaged in. Those two men are the worst-looking... Thugs I've ever seen in my life.
4: No, darling, you shouldn't judge by appearance. They could be tender hearted, church going, devoted family oh, men. Oh,
2: no. Hired killers would be more likely. Darling, take me home. I'm
7: frightened. Ah, good morning, Claude. Morning, Henri. You seem to have quite an appetite this morning.
4: What do they say? The condemned man ate a hearty meal.
7: What does that mean? I'm not sure. Have you seen Eloise? No, she's still asleep.
4: That's not like her.
7: She's worried about you.
4: Well, everything's all right. We can be married tomorrow if she wants. Oh, you've decided?
7: Of course. And what about the other one?
4: What other one?
7: As if you don't know. I'm not sure I understand. The Venus, your own Venus deal.
4: Oh, that. Let me tell you, I didn't sleep last night. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, it was good for me. Ari, I did some thinking. And? And I called myself every stupid name I could remember. Why? If I keep this up, this this groundless, mindless, idiotic fear or apprehension, if I keep imagining she talks to me, well, I can very well lose Eloise.
7: Eloise is very much in love with you. Uh,
4: love. Love is an illusion. You fall in, you fall out. I can read women. This ring business is beginning to irritate her. Worse, it's starting to bore her. Ah, I've been warning you. What really happened? I needed a resting place for a ring. So I absently placed it on the finger of a statue. A lifeless metal statue. You follow me? You're telling the story. Due to some phenomenon that probably has a rational explanation, if we ever find it, the ring seems to adhere to the finger of the statue. Is that true? (laughs) Obviously, the ring's still there. But... That's all that happened.
7: Who said anything else?
4: You did. Me? You. You're the one who invested the statue with all kinds of magic and mysterious qualities.
7: Well, I... I was merely stating some facts. Oh, yes. Yes,
4: of course. But you have an ulterior motive.
7: If you could get me upset,
4: fire my imagination, perhaps... Something might happen, and you could have Eloise for yourself. I'm not aware that I've tried to upset you. No, not consciously, perhaps. Well, in any event, it's all over. And I certainly will not jeopardize my chance of becoming a billionaire because of an overactive imagination. Do you understand me?
7: Yes. But I wish you'd be honest with yourself. You said you absently placed the ring on her finger. Is that really true? Or did you do it as a joke? Or did you, as millions of men before you, actually fall in love with her?
4: Oh, no, Ari. We're not having any more of that. Well, old girl, I must say it was exciting. It was even fun for a while. Venus deal. Ah, you must have been something in your day. All woman. Oh, no. No, madame. I'm wise to these little tricks of the mind. Not this time. Not again. Claude. Of course, Claude. But you're in my head. You're part of my imagination.
5: Claude. You belong to me.
4: I belong to no one. I belong to myself.
5: Foolish, Claude. Do you think you can fight me?
4: You're just an image in my own brain.
5: (laughs) Claude. You don't love, Heloise. You're in love with love. Claude.
4: I am love. I don't believe.
5: Yes, Claude. You believe. You believe. The love I offer you is beyond dreams, beyond imagination. No,
4: no, I'm not listening.
5: A glorious love.
4: No, please.
5: Don't be frightened. Come with me. Live with me. Live like a god, a god. Live on love. No. You asked me, Claude. You gave me your ring You wanted me You always wanted me Say it No Say it Claude Say the truth uh, Yes 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 Then come. come with me Now Now
4: That's it that's how it happened. That's how it happened. I know. I know how it happened. Oh, God. Uh. What are you doing standing out
2: here and yelling like a maniac?
7: It's another electrical storm. We'd better get inside. Oh, yes. Come, close. Now, now, I know.
2: What do you know?
7: I know. I know why the ring is
4: stuck on her finger. Oh,
2: huh? do you? Is it so important, after all? Oh,
4: yes, it's important. Do you remember what Rene said? He said it looked as if the ring is fused to the metal. Well, look closely. Doesn't it appear that way?
7: what's the difference? He also said it was impossible unless you welded it on. And, of course, you didn't. No, I didn't. But someone else did. Who? Perhaps not a who,
4: but a what.
2: What did happen?
4: We were playing tennis. I took the ring off, placed it on her finger. We
2: already know all that. Tell us the rest of it.
4: You know the rest of it, too. Claude. Of course you do. We kept playing tennis. And then then suddenly there was a a, a peal of thunder, a flash of lightning, well, don't you see? No. The lightning. It must have it must have struck the statue in such a way as to have fused the ring to her finger. Well, that's impossible. Oh no, no, it's not impossible. It could have happened.
2: Well, then it answers the question and finally settles the problem.
4: It's the only way we can account for it. Unless? No, no, Henri, no more of these unlesses.
2: So now can we forget about oh, it?
4: absolutely, my darling. Eloise, marry me. What? I said marry me. But I I was expecting... You were expecting a romantic speech, poetry, sweet music, sparkling wine. Yes. Shall I try again?
7: Oh, no. No, I accept. I accept. May I be the first to offer congratulations? Of course, of course, Henri. You fought a good fight. Ah, but the better man won.
4: Eloise, my darling. May I... May I ask for a wedding present now? Oh, anything. Good. Would you... Could you... get rid of this statue? (laughs) My rival? Well?
2: Of course. We'll donate her to a museum. No, no.
4: No, I mean get rid of her. How? Have her destroyed. Melted down.
7: Oh. Oh? But, Claude, she's priceless.
2: Well, I... I'll have it taken care of tomorrow.
4: Well,
7: can it be done today?
2: Oh, yes. Rene will be back in the morning and... Oh,
4: well, I, I suppose it'll be all right.
2: He'll take care of her. First
4: thing.
7: Ah, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. A toast to the happy couple. Oh!
2: <laughs> yes. Congratulations. Long life. Thank you, thank you all. Claude and I are so happy. Please, everybody, eat, drink, dance. Help us enjoy this, this glorious occasion.
4: You look beautiful, my dear.
2: Oh, I always dreamed of a night like this. Are you happy? Oh, yes. Completely? Yes. It's hard, you... You look so thoughtful.
4: Do I? Very. I'm only thinking of us.
2: Only of us?
4: My darling, in this whole wide world, there are only the two of us.
2: But, Claude, is something the matter?
5: You're frowning.
4: Uh, I wasn't aware. You're not ill? No, no, of course not. You don't look very comfortable. Well, perhaps it's a bit close in here. I may just need a breath of fresh air. Oh, I'll go with you. No, no, dear, we both can't leave our guests. I'll just step outside for a moment, it'll do me good.
5: You fool. I won't believe it. What won't you believe?
4: I won't believe you are there.
5: You have dared to trifle with the heart of a goddess.
4: I don't know what you're saying.
5: I offered you my love. I would have given myself to you. I've got to fight
4: this. I am not mad. I've got to fight.
5: Of all the uncounted millions since the very beginning of the human race, I offered myself to you.
4: Accept this as a hallucination.
5: Oh! Look at me. Look at me. No.
4: It can't be. It can't be. You, you're human. You, you're flesh and blood. You're a woman. Yes.
5: A woman. A woman spurned. A woman scorned. I didn't know. How was I to know? I told. I told you.
4: Forgive me, please, forgive me.
5: Forgive you. Come to my arms, embrace me. Know what you might have had, and know what you have lost forever. I love you. I love you. Fool,
4: oh. oh. fool. Please, please, you're, you're, you're crushing me.
1: Now you
5: can only die for the love
4: of you. Oh, please. Let me, let me love you. Let me. No, no. Help, help.
7: Claude, Claude, where are you? Eloise is worried about... Claude? Oh, no. Don't come close, Eloise. Don't look, Eloise, don't. The statue, it fell on him. He's... Yes. He's dead. Mm. The statue just crushed him.
5: Oh, Oh, look.
7: What is it? Look at the
2: ring. That ring.
7: I don't see the ring. Look! Where?
2: On Claude's finger. Oh. The ring is back on Claude's finger.
3: Well, you have a choice. You can believe that the goddess Venus fell in love with Claude, became angry when he jilted her, and killed him. Or you can believe that he went out for a walk and the rain had softened the statue's foundation and it just fell on him. There were also the enforcers. All the ingredients are there for a provocative stew. Use what you like and stir to your taste. I'll be back shortly.
4: couldn't afford to fly to California this summer, TWA has some good news for you. You can. Thanks to TWA's demand schedule service, you can fly to California for only $125. Just make your reservations 90 days before you want to go and put down a $20 deposit for each way. For all the details, call your travel agent. TWA's demand schedule service. Now you can afford to fly to California.
3: cast included Norman Rose, Joan Lovejoy, E.V. Juster, Dan Ockle, and Robert Dryden. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams...
6: W.R. Mystery Theater has been brought to you by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less. And by Suburban Savings, with offices throughout North New Jersey. The preceding Mystery Theater program is furnished by the CBS Radio Network.
2: This is Mary Helen McPhillips. Remember a few years back, when you couldn't get a newspaper to read because there was a strike? Well, that prospect once again looms on the horizon, and tomorrow morning at 10.15, my guest will be Sheldon Zelaznik, Editorial Director of New York Magazine, and he'll explain the problems that currently face New York City's daily newspapers. So join me at 10.15.
0: I'm Fulton Lewis in the Mutual Broadcasting System studios in Washington, D.C. Now, my commentary. President Nixon's edited Watergate transcripts were formally delivered to Congress today with a White House brief that pronounced them proof of the president's innocence and quoted him as ordering amid the unraveling cover-up a year ago that, quote, everybody in this case is to talk and to tell the truth. In a volume roughly the size of a big city telephone book, 1,308 pages of transcripts were sent to the House Judiciary Committee for its inquiry into the president's possible impeachment. Separate copies in manila envelopes were delivered to the 38 committee members individually. They are going to meet tomorrow to decide whether to accept them in lieu of the White House tape recordings that the panel had originally subpoenaed. With them, went a 50-page brief that was prepared by the President's impeachment attorney, James St. Clair, which wove presidential quotations together with a White House account of what the President actually said and did during the crucial phase of the Watergate cover-up attempt, The St. Clair paper concludes, quote, throughout the period of the Watergate affair, the raw material of these recorded confidential conversations establishes that the president had no prior knowledge of the break-in and that he had no knowledge of any cover-up prior to March 21, 1973. In all of the thousands of words spoken, even though they often are unclear and ambiguous, not once does it appear that the president of the United States was engaged in any criminal plot to obstruct justice. While the official business today was the delivery of those papers to the House panel, their public release was perhaps more crucial to the president's latest effort to clear himself and settle the Watergate scandal. For the president himself said Monday night that in releasing the papers, he was placing his trust in the basic fairness of the American people to examine the evidence and see that he sought only to do what was right. One of the quotes included in the St. Clair brief today as evidence of the president's determination to clear up Watergate came from an April 15th, 1973 conversation with Assistant Attorney General Henry Peterson about the refusal of conspirator G. Gordon Liddy to cooperate with the government prosecutors. Quote, I want him to be sure to understand that as far as the president is concerned, everybody in this case is to talk and to tell the truth. You are to tell everybody, and you don't even have to call me on that with anybody. You just say that those are your orders. Another statement from an April 14th conversation with former aide John Ehrlichman reads this way. Quote, we have to prick the boil and take the heat. Now that's what we're doing here. We're going to prick this boil and take the heat. I am not overstating. Within hours after the presidential material was delivered to the Judiciary Committee today, portions of the transcripts were obtained from House members, but they were, as St. Clair had said they would be, often unclear and ambiguous. That was the case, for example, with a March 21, 1973 discussion of demands of the original Watergate burglary defendants for payoffs to keep them silent about the involvement of others. At one point in that very critical conversation, according to the transcript, There was a discussion about payoff demands and the likelihood that they would later be followed by demands for executive clemency, both of which President Nixon rejected. But later, the transcript shows this exchange in a discussion of the demand of Watergate conspirator E. Howard Hunt that he be paid $120,000. The exchange goes like this, President Nixon saying, You have no choice but to come up with the $120,000 or whatever it is, right? John Dean III, then White House counsel, replied, That's right. The White House brief said flatly that the president rejected the payment of $120,000 or any other sum to Hunt or to any other Watergate defendants. But St. Clair noted today the transcript does contain ambiguities and statements which, taken out of context, could be construed to have a variety of meanings. In prefacing his narrative account of the president's statements and actions, St. Clair repeated the president's offer to... Have New Jersey Democrat Representative Peter Rodino, the Judiciary Committee's chairman, and Michigan Republican Representative Edward Hutchinson, the ranking Republican member of the panel, listened to the actual tape recordings, quote, to satisfy themselves that a full and complete disclosure of the pertinent contents of those tapes had indeed been made. The White House brief said unnecessary expletives, characterizations of third parties, and material not involving the president's conduct had been edited out of the transcripts. Deletions were indicated with parenthetical notes in the body of the transcripts. The transcripts did bear out the president's prediction that they uh, would end the speculation about the Watergate issue. For example, on February 28th of 1973, during a discussion of a formation of a special Senate committee headed by Senator Sam Irvin to investigate Watergate, the president said, I frankly say that I would rather... They would be partisan rather than for them to have a facade of fairness and all the rest. Irvin always talks about this being a great, about his being a great constitutional lawyer. On September 15, 1972, the president, John Dean, and H.R. Haldeman discussed the fact that a general accounting office auditor was examining presidential campaign contribution records at the request of House Speaker Carl Albert. Haldeman, during that conversation, said, Maybe we better put a little heat on him. The him being Albert, the president responded, I think so too. Haldeman then said, we really ought to, do, what we ought to do is to call the speaker and say, I regret that you cause us to do this to you. And the president responded, why don't you see if Harlowe? he was referring to presidential aide Bryce Harlow, why don't you see if Harlowe will tell him that? But The initial incomplete transcripts that became available on Capitol Hill proved, as the presidential lawyer St. Clair had predicted, very inconclusive on the primary issues of precisely when the president learned of various aspects of the Watergate scandal. The White House brief, constructed generally along chronological lines notes that no one, not even Dean, as the president's chief accuser, has alleged that the president had advanced knowledge of the wiretapping burglary at the Democratic Party headquarters on June 17th of 1972. It quotes the transcript of a Nixon conversation with Dean. This one was held on February 28th, 1973, in which the president said, quote, Of course, I am not dumb, and I will never forget what I... Uh, I will never forget... When I heard about this forced entry and bugging, I thought, what is this? What is the matter with these people? Are they crazy? I thought they were nuts. Dean has testified that after a September 15th, 1972 meeting with the president, he had, in his words, the impression that the president was well aware of what had been going on regarding the success of keeping the White House out of the Watergate scandal. And in Dean's words, I also had expressed to him my concern that I was not confident that the cover-up could be maintained indefinitely. The White House brief submitted to the Congress today said that the tape of that meeting does not support Dean's testimony, that the president was aware of the cover-up of the Watergate involvement. It quotes the president as saying, Oh, well, this is a can of worms, as you know, a lot of this stuff that went on, and the people who work this way are awfully embarrassed. But the way you have handled all this seems to me has been very skillful in putting your fingers in the leaks that have sprung here and have sprung up there. St. Clair today explained that the president, in that sentence, was speaking about the politics of the matter, such as civil suits, countersuits, democratic efforts to exploit Watergate as a political issue, and the like. He was not speaking in the context of any plot to obstruct justice. The reaction of the House Judiciary Committee to the president's actions of the past 24 hours is not yet known. This afternoon, Democrats and Republican members of that panel were caucusing separately, and tomorrow they'll get together and render their joint opinion. The president, I imagine, will be happy if he has succeeded only in rallying the Republican members of that panel into his corner. A partisan split within the impeachment inquiry would serve to discredit the inquiry to the point where the entire probe would have little, if any, public credibility Today, some of the more ardent Nixon critics on the House panel, specifically Massachusetts Democrat Representative Drinan and California's Democrat Representative Waldy, stated that, that in their view the president's response to the Judiciary Committee subpoena was totally unacceptable. They will take nothing more than the complete original tapes, not edited transcripts. They, in fact, will not even consider the president's suggestion that the full tapes be heard by chairman rodino and representative hutchinson that will not be acceptable they want the full tapes turned over to the full committee at the very least they want them heard in their entirety by the minority and majority councils of the committee the majority view of the committee democrats then we can expect to be a little less extreme than that the republican view we can expect to be even more moderate i'll have more for you now in just a moment
6: service we're big on that when you buy an airline ticket you're buying service and at ozark we try to give you your money's worth service and making reservations planning your trip at the ticket counter service on board ozark didn't get where it is by being small and things that really count Service, we're big on that. Go Ozark Jet to Champaign-Urbana, Peoria, and Springfield, Illinois. Call Ozark or your travel agent.
0: What the president has done, in effect, has been to throw the ball back into the Judiciary Committee's court. His approach last night, I think, seemed fair and equitable from a public opinion point of view, and public opinion, as I have stressed before, is going to have a tremendous impact on the entire impeachment process. The President, it is true, did not turn over the complete tapes. To have done so he felt, and I think properly so, would have established a precedent which may have permanently impaired the separation of powers, the part of the Constitution which sets up the three branches of government as being separate but equal. It would have also permanently endangered the right of privacy and independence of the executive branch of our government. The President, on the other hand, did not invoke executive privilege in its entirety, he seemed to be cooperated, very cooperative with the impeachment inquiry, and he seemed to be very cooperated with the public as a whole, making the heretofore secret transcripts of the Watergate tapes public material. From the Mutual Studios in Washington, I'm Fulton Lewis, and that's the top of the news as it looks from here.
6: Every year, compliance regulations change thousands of times. And every year, ADP makes thousands of seamless platform updates so businesses can focus on everything else, like running their business. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll.
1: In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss.